Hello, world. This is Jared Deal. Thank you for listening to the Louder Now podcast. What's up, everybody? This is episode 10. Can you believe it? I say that every week. Well, you don't call it episode 10 every week. Wow. Buzzkill. Uh, <laughs> I just woke up. So. No, it's okay. I did too. Will and I are kind of moving in slow motion today. Hey, man, it's Monday. Yesterday was Easter. Easter's. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. So, Easter was great. I just started going to this church called Humanity Church, and at the time it was called Mosaic Pomona. Mosaic Downtown Pomona, to be more specific. Sam, who you know Sam, he lives in this house. He recruited me. Yeah, I know Sam. Cool dude. So, anyway... Long story short, I started going to Humanity Church a week after Easter last year. So this was my first official Easter, and it was great. And I'm so incredibly blessed by the community and all the people I've gotten to know those last year. And I'm excited for big things, and I think we're going to have a big party at the pastor's house tomorrow. So I don't know if I should say party and pastor's house in the same sentence. That's fine as long as I'm invited. You kind of have to be a member of the church. Oh, well, you so, definitely need to so be. So it's like one of those churches where it's exclusive. Yeah, well, you can come, but you definitely need to be like a tither. So Not everybody's welcome at your church. So. <laughs> Maybe I'm just reading it wrong. That's, yeah, okay. no, it's uh, it's pretty postmodern, modern, but I mean, what ifs? It should be pretty obvi diverse, but... <laughs> Um, how are you, Will? Waking up still, just like me? No worries. Yeah, I'm fine. So, episode 10, man, huh? It's kind of a milestone. You know, episode one was was the start, and we've been doing this for like three months now. Yeah. So, look, I do like to acknowledge each week that don't despise the day of small beginnings. Um... Yeah, so last week was fun. We did a bunch of questions and answers. I thought that would just be kind of fun and change the pace up a little bit. This is my show. I can do whatever I want, really. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah, I think the goal... And you can't stop him. Dude, once you got passion, it can't be stopped. Um, I'm training for this marathon, and it's getting to be serious. I bought new running shoes today, which is pretty awesome. And... Um, they are the colors of like the Seattle Seahawk colors, which makes me just think of my sister and Scott and my nephews, Noah and Jetty, and makes me miss them. So, but dude, this is no joke. I ran two hours on Saturday and I have I remember not... you, you ran upstairs and said, I'm going, I'm going, I'm yeah, still going. Yeah, I did. I did run in the house. I ran to Able Source where I work, which is a little bit, it's like 2.5 miles and then... I ran upstairs to grab some water, some oh, Trader Joe's idea. alkaline water, you know. We could do a whole separate podcast on if that stuff is, you know, if those electrolytes are really that good for you, but I'm not prepared to talk about that yet. So, um, I have not ran past two hours in my training, but this week... A month from now, I need to be ready to run about 21 miles, which is going to be a lot. So Yeah, only 21. So, um, you know... You can do it. Yeah. There's something about exercise, and very much so is related to mental health, where you do hear this all the time, that it is mind over matter. It is a mental game. So I think if you, when you start running, it's really less about your body and more about where your head's at. But you do discover something when you're running and you have a lot of time to think. Mm. 
It's kind of like when you like quiet yourself down and you have like solitude. Yeah, it can be Which, meditative. Right, and you like you actually, you actually listen to what's going on in your mind. You're like, wow, this loop is playing really loud, and I'm a little bit scared of my own thoughts. So, um, that's how you feel when you're running. Well, no, I think, <laughs> dude, a good bad. You know, I think about the good, bad, and the ugly. Um, a couple of weeks ago, well, actually, let me go back up here. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was like 23 so about 10 years ago mm-hmm. and at the time I was kind of basically at kind of like the end of my uh, well it was at the end of the four years of college and I was in Kansas City and I had my second mental breakdown and what I had experienced a year earlier was you know panic attack not sleeping and essentially I had that same thing happen again wasn't kind of as freaked out by it the second time around that I moved to California. And so my parents went through this whole thing and I decided to stay and work at Trader Joe's is the job I ended up getting and train for a half marathon. That was when that started, which is funny now, 10 years later running again. And the creative part of me on my blog on the Rockets Journal started kind of publishing a lot of poetry um, which had been going on for like a couple of years, but there was a lot of things that started to, uh, there was a lot of issues I've always kind of had with my dad. And I do kind of talk about this in courageous minds and different things that I speak about. And usually a lot of times that stuff's not in like a super like long story, I guess. And I remember, so I kind of, thinking about my dad has kind of been a thing for a while but it has sort of in working on this show and working on kind of you know uh, reading more and writing like um, I realized my dad has been a huge influence in my mental health and um, I think to be a little bit more specific you know a couple of weeks ago Will you helped me with uh, you know fixing my dad's car and getting that out of the Laguna and now I have my dad's car and this is like a totes advertisement for the thousands of people that listen, right? We're going to sell it. So, so I was at the DMV today and I finalized the registration and all that. And it's just been a little bit of a whirlwind the last couple of weeks, you know, working on that. So I appreciate your help with that. But my dad has, you know, um, well, nobody knows. That's why I'm kind of talking about some of this. He's just kind of just been having some health problems and, you know, he's been, um, uh, you know, he's getting old and, I think you just want your parents to live as long as possible, right? In a very general sense. But I think, um, Will, you've probably heard of the book Wild at Heart. Yeah. John Eldridge. Yeah, right? I read it a long time ago. Yeah, and I remember when I, I'm 33 now, but I remember when I was 18 and, and I was like getting ready to like move to, to IHOP. I had one of my friends in Fort Collins, Seth Ree, he like, he's like, dude, you like this book. And he gave me this book and... I always kind of talk about how, like, I never read any books in high school. Like, I just wasn't a reader, and I kind of just goofed around a lot and hmm. probably was distracted by girls a lot and wanting to be an actor and making movies. But once I got to Kansas City, I started reading, and I started kind of getting very, like, hungry for knowledge. And so I started reading that book, and, you know, the book is good. It's a really good book, and I think at when you're younger, I think it's probably even more relevant because he talks about masculinity kind of, kind of talks about like these four things that we're made to do. We're made to sort of fight for something. We're made to to like have an adventure to live for. Um, we're made to essentially like kind of talks about marriage, like, you know, fight for, for like a woman in your life kind of thing. But he uses this phrase called the, the, he talks about, you have like a father wound. You have this thing that is, unfortunately for some people, feels maybe incurable, right? Like, oh, I, um, you know, some people grow up with like no relationship with their dad uh, as far as like physically he's not there. Or some people grow up with not a very good relationship with their dad, like their dad's around, but he's not around. Or, I mean, you know, 
maybe 50% of people, their parents were divorced, blah, blah, blah. So I started to kind of, you know, something happened in that time where then kind of fast forward three years later when I started having this, these mental health diagnosis where I was like, man, I really have had a lot of issues with my dad. And how does that sort of play into my depression? And, um, I think part of, I think a couple of things, first of all, one element to mental illness is genetics. So genetic like predispositions, right? So my, my dad, dad's dad, my grandpa went to world war two, you know, post-traumatic stress, like passed that down to my dad. My dad never really like fully dealt with it. And you know, guess what? He kind of like passed it down to me. Um, although there is some mental health stuff, I think on my mom's side, but it was just more like, you know, my dad. But, um, I think that my dad really dealt with a lot of anger and a lot of like, you know, I guess I want to say like outward anger, a lot of yelling, a lot of, um, um, kind of outburst uh, of, of anger, but he had a lot of like kind of self-inflicted, like self-hatred and kind of anger towards himself. And I did kind of see my dad like really deal with a lot of depression and then sort of kind of cover it up. And then he wasn't like, he wasn't so completely like paralyzed by that, that like, you know, he wasn't, wasn't able to do anything. So, um, I picked up this book recently that someone gave me a long time ago. And this book has just been really, really speaking a lot to me about part of what we've kind of started to do with this podcast, which is kind of bring in like, you know, mental health and like theology. So I kind of want to read something from here and it kind of has to do with, with what I'm talking about. So this book is called, um, the person reborn. It's by this guy named Paul Turnier, T O U R N I E R. And this guy, he was like a physician. He was like a doctor, psychiatrist, but like a Christian. So, um, hopefully I'm not butchering that. So here's the quote. Um, oh, there's so much good stuff in here. So yeah, he's, he's talking about like your earthly father and then sort of your heavenly father, but th this is important. I kind of want to just like talk about a little bit of this today. So So he says, I feel as my duty as a believer to show the extent to which technical ignorance can spoil soul healing. Here's a simple example. It is a well-known fact that the child's first idea of God is largely determined by the mental picture he has of his own earthly father. The term heavenly father used by Jesus in speaking of God has contributed to this mental association, but it has also had, it also has a quite concrete sense to the child. His father is at first a God omnipotent, omniscient and perfect. The child eventually abandons this illusion when he discovers that his father is not exempt from weakness, faults, and ignorance. He then projects these attributes upon the heavenly father about whom he has been taught. Otherwise he would sink into despair with them. However, he also projects upon God, his mental picture of his earthly father. So one further important result of this is that for those who have suffered an in infancy from brutality, hostility, and authoritarianism on part of their father, find it extremely difficult to believe in the love, providence, and forgiveness of the Heavenly Father. They cannot pray confidently to him and to suggest that they should do so without at the same time using the technique of psychoanalysts to unravel the complexities formed in infancy is to lead them into an impasse from which they cannot escape. They consider themselves to be great sinners because they cannot bring themselves to pray. They believe they are rejected by God and damned. If anyone tries to help them by offering spiritual aid, the only result is that the blockage in their spiritual life is made worse. I once observed a similar result in the case of a young woman who had lost her father. Okay, so... I kind of just have been stuck on this for, for the last couple of weeks and I'm 
sort of just trying to merge a couple of ideas, a couple of things together. So I think that part of the complexities of mental health is that first of all, one of the things we talked about earlier, uh, early on is the idea of taking responsibility. That's the first thing. So the idea is that there's an element to your illness that is not your fault. And so this idea of like, I had a really bad parent who misrepresented God, who is angry, who, who then, um, essentially had their own like mental health or this area of their life that was really out of control. They took that, they projected that onto me and I feel all this pain about that. <sighs> Unfortunately, yeah, some of that's not your fault, right? Like you're, you're just, your parents were just the way that they were. Um, and then the second thing is that I think our parents are really supposed to sort of teach us, um, not really how to be perfect. I don't, I think that's probably an illusion, but, um, in the, in the limited time that they have with us, you know, from ages, whatever to 18, our parents are really supposed to kind of teach us how to, I think, deal with stress and, and manage kind of conflict. And so, I think primarily because the role of the father is such a large role, often I think that it gets left out where, A, we don't really have some, maybe we didn't have someone around to kind of teach us how to deal with stress, but we also sort of, in a lot of sense, it's sort of more like the nurture argument where I watched my dad sort of deal with his problems with with alcohol, with watching sports, with TV, with kind of controlling his, doing all of these things. And then I also kind of sort, sort of watched him like deal with his depression in a very like self-hatred, like self, you know, hating, hating, uh, you know, on himself. So let me, uh, well, what was, do you have a good, did you have a good relationship with your dad? Um, for what it was, my so when I was four years old, my mom left my dad with, I don't think he knew, like she took us away to Big Bear mm -hmm. and then they had some minimal contact, but I don't think he actually knew where she was for several years. And then, um, he, he like we found like he found us or was told by a friend where we were and like there wasn't anything bad that happened after that but he tried to be in our lives he was he was really upset because he wanted to be in our lives but the two of them just really didn't have a great relationship at least they loved each other but it was unstable from what I can tell as a child and um and even now when I talk to my mom yeah. it kind of seems like that was the case um, but, you know, with my dad, because he was there during the summer, or I was at his place during the summer, and he would show up for my birthday, things like that, he, like, I always knew that he uh, cared, and it, there was never really a reason for us to have a bad relationship with him, because he never, he couldn't really discipline us, you know, it wasn't like, he'd see us yeah. on a weekend and it's like, what are you going to do? Like spank me? You know? So right. he, he, it he wasn't, wasn't around enough. Yeah. There was no kind of like, so it wasn't so much that we had a bad relationship as much as there wasn't much of a relationship until high school. And then in high school, I lived with him for a while. And, um, by that time I, I was pretty, um, pretty wild. Like I, I didn't have any kind of discipline or not much discipline growing up. So, uh, like a good example is when he told me to be home by 10 o'clock, I just kind of laughed at him because in Big Bear, I would stay out for two days without calling my mom and, um, she would be worried every time and I would mm -hmm. come home and, um, so, but but because of that kind of rebellious nature or like my not really caring uh, about you know the standards that he would try to set for me, um, we didn't have a good relationship when I lived with him for that short time and it it ended really badly. And then 
before he passed away when I was 20 he um we had a moment of reconciliation that was very very much like he was like I don't know you know I don't know what happened and I was like I don't know either dad and mm-hmm. by that time I had turned to the Lord so I was open to reconciliation even though I was still pretty young and I didn't really understand what that meant um and then he and then he died shortly after that so mm-hmm. it was yeah it was it was pretty rough how old were you again how old when he passed away yeah 20 yeah yeah, so that was 19, young, yeah. almost 19 years ago. Um, 18 years ago. Probably to the day. I really don't know the day he died. I'm really bad with yeah, keeping yeah. information like that. But um, I don't I don't know how much it affects me, though, because I've never really thought of God in this as a... or him in the same category of being because I didn't have a relationship with God growing up. God to me was uh, always something more um, outside of human experience. Yeah. And so like to relate God to my dad wouldn't have really worked much anyway because he wasn't there. And then um, with my mom, she was more like a model of Christianity than anyone else. And she had a lot of brokenness in her while I was growing up too, which is probably why they were together. Maybe it was from right something that they shared with each other and and their dysfunctionality or that's you know. But that's a lot of details that. Um, but I would ask that question though. Um, while you were reading that quote, I was wondering. It seems like that might be an older book, or is that? It is. Yeah, it's like in the sixties. Yeah. So yeah. it it seems. Um, that it doesn't really ask the like in in today's um i think even in the church even in church leadership and in society and especially in the like scholastic academic communities right you would also want to like not place it all on father cuz uh, there is like a son father son re- dynamic to understanding parenting and god wants us to view right uh, himself as a parent but you um it's also it's also not giving any light to the role that the mother plays in that quote so i don't i wouldn't say like he's he's wrong right um but i would say like well if i'm trying there to should be a shared dynamic yeah. into what the mom does as a, as a yeah well first of all will thanks for sharing that and yeah. i yeah. think that part of this is just you know obviously we're 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 like opening ourselves up about our lives a little bit here, which is good and healthy. Yeah. I, I I think, I think a couple of things. I mean, first of all, yes, there has to be a balance between a a father and a man, you know, it's like, what do you get from your dad that you don't get from your mom or kind of the other way around? Right. Like a father. Yeah. It's usually like, uh, you know, if you get in trouble during the day and you're just hanging out with your mom, it's like, what does your mom say? Oh, well, discipline you when your father gets home. <laughs> and often that, that might, maybe that's a, some a scary anticipation, right? You're like, Oh, I don't want to like face my dad. What is my dad going to do to me? And, and, and that doesn't like downplay the role of a mom, but yes, there is a certain level of um, discipline that I think a father enacts. And I do think the power of mothering, you know, I guess our next holiday coming up is Mother's Day. So I have to talk more about mothering then. But when is Mother's Day? It's like next month. It's like uh, May. Yeah, that's right. Different. It's like May 10th or something. Like it's on a Sunday. Of, or it's or like something. the second, second Sunday. Sunday or something like that. It's not to be confused with Cinco de Mayo. Sometimes this will probably come out I, on Mother's Day. That, you're right. That's true. It's in three, um, three weeks and then. I mean, I have a very happy good, Mother's Day. Yeah, well, I have a very good relationship with my my mom, but I, I I think what I mean is like I do think the the mom's role is very nurturing and is very he, helping you deal with emotions and helping you be in touch with with uh, you know your pain and crying. But I think the the reason why like the role of the father, if it's not there, I think a, a father does affirm to some extent your your kind of self-worth 
and in your identity and being a man and and in, and empowering you to to be a leader and so oftentimes i think depression is definitely a feeling of worthlessness it's definitely a feeling of i'm not good enough and um you know at the end of the day is that because you didn't see your in my case, what I felt like I watched my dad do is I didn't see my dad believe that he was good enough. So that was one thing. Mm. And I didn't really even like necessarily hear my dad say, you can do anything, even, even though he did. And, and then I think kind of maybe the third thing is that oftentimes um, maybe it doesn't really have to do too much with those first two things, but it's that your parents sort of are supposed to like help you kind of manage stress and like deal with, with, with conflict. And oftentimes I think when you're, you're, um, younger, I mean, I'm sure this is a little bit of a different conversation now because there's so much medicine and doctors, we don't necessarily even learn what is in sort of kind of the medical community is like coping mechanisms, right? We don't necessarily learn how to like cope with things completely the, the, the right way. So anyway, I just, this, I just been thinking about my dad a lot with this, all this stuff that's kind of been going on with the car and, oh, the, yeah, and all this sure. stuff. And I, and I realized, and, and just in reading this book so far, cause this book is kind of just like sort of unraveling the idea of where there does need to be the, the, this balance of like, you know, um, yeah, for the most part, maybe we have a very like angry, you know, wrathful image of God or of our dad. And then, so when we see in like the gospel of John, this consistent continuity in this theme of Jesus pointing everything to the father and Jesus saying, you know, you know, well, what does the father look like? And Jesus is saying, well, you know, the father looks like me. And we're hearing sort of this language of like, God is happy and God rejoices and, and likes us and wants us around. Um, there's, there's maybe a, a, some brokenness and some pain in us that's like, oh, well, my own earthly dad didn't really want me around, so, you know, screw you and your dumb, like, happy godfather. Not godfather, not to be confused with the godfather, that's different. <laughs> that's Robert De Niro. And, yeah, he uh, definitely is a more <laughs> vengeful... Well, he's an accepting man if you do the right things for him. Yeah, and so, that's right. Well... But, I, I mean, well, I do agree with your point that it's there is a balance too with the, the role of like the, the mother and, and the father and his point before this chapter at the beginning of this chapter is that um, there's just a balance that needs to happen between faith and then, you know, maybe it's a little bit more scientific with, well, I with, think, you know, even with, with parents yeah. in general, the, the, the very dynamic of their relationship, you know, my, my parents didn't get divorced. Um, but normally I think, people would have got divorced with how long they were separated. They were separated, basically. Yeah. For my whole life. There was, like, I think a few months They were just, after. like, not officially divorced. Yeah, they never officially yeah. divorced. There was right. never, like, a, a reason to. Yeah. But, so, like, that dynamic, too, influences not just, like, my picture of faith, but community. And, um, yeah. it, it plays a role in how I see, like, Christian yeah. community and, like, my... Sometimes I feel a bit of alienation from the church because they not all but some probably the majority in the seventy to eighty percent category seem to come from some stability versus where I came right. from, which is unstable so well, yeah, exactly, yeah. and that was a huge uh that was a huge part of our my sister like our childhood was a lot of instability and and yeah, and I think another thing is that. I think I did kind of see my dad struggle with purpose, like struggle with what does he want to do with his life? And he kind of was very, um, very up and down with like enjoying the jobs that he had. And I, I think a healthy, de I mean, I think one definition of depression is that like, you're doing a job that you, you really enjoy and you're still kind of finding yourself being depressed so it's not so sometimes people are like oh well, you just need to get out of that job and you'll be happier okay that's could be true right i mean that's 
in some cases. I mean, how many people like really, <laughs> really enjoy what they do, right? I'm very blessed that I like my job, and you know, I probably would say I need to make more money, but I still. Mm. Will you like your 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 jobs, right? That you do? No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Dude, I I crawled around in under a house for six hours, and anybody that's a plumber that listens to this be like, oh man, that's no big deal, but. You know it sucks. Will does a lot of... I know it sucks. I was covered in dirt. Didn't and you I, find... And I'm not always doing that kind of stuff, so I don't right. have coveralls. I don't have any of that stuff. I'm just like... Did you find any dead bodies? Did people ask you that? No, I, I think I've heard that Did you find before. any? <laughs> no, I didn't find any dead You're bodies. You're talking to me who's the least handiest There are man. a lot of, like, dead spiders everywhere. There you go. There's... Cobwebs everywhere. So, There's that's a... the life of a plumber in this this town anyway it's like the first season of that modern family show he goes under his house and he's like trying to find like a uh they see like a skeleton down there and they think it's a real skeleton but it was like leftover halloween decorations that's how oh, they left no, and so. <laughs> i didn't really watch family guy modern but, family totally different will oh no anyway both, um i like to just that one guy i like to just sprinkle in some pop culture references just to keep this show fresh yeah i, I think um to the one one of the things I was going to say about like the parenting oh yeah um have you ever heard of the Jesus Christ show Oh actually I haven't that sounds interesting It's it's interesting it's it's this guy I thought you literally were going to say have you heard of Jesus Christ Have you ever heard of Jesus Christ Um I think so is that Yeah they talk about him in the book of Mormon Are you talking about the historical figure of Jesus <laughs> Yeah No this is actually an interesting concept so it's a radio show on KFI that Neil Savage hosts and he basically plays the part of Jesus Christ for people who want to call in Interesting Yeah and he'll he'll like during certain ad breaks he'll like, like say like a role playing kind of thing Yeah he'll yeah. say like you know this is a theatrical show the idea is that I'm you know, I'm your host, Neil Savager, is right. playing this part. But then, but during the show, he doesn't break character. He's like, he's like, thank you. Uh, or like, th- people will be like, Jesus, what do you think of this? He's like, well, I said in the Gospel of oh, John. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. He's but, like the mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah he really, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and uh, he actually had interesting. a Interesting. I have to listen to that. You That's should give it a listen or two. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I find it interesting. I, it's not something I must, you know, it's not like I have to tune in, but I really do enjoy it. But one of the, on Easter Sunday, because uh, you have to be up at like 8 o'clock in the morning at least to hear the last hour. Right. And uh, I was on my way to church and this lady called in and she was, this is what she was talking about. She was talking about, like, I got into a interfaith marriage. Like, my husband's not religious at all. Right. And, um, you know, I feel bad because I feel like, you know, the relationship isn't working out. And my kid sees this, uh, this model of it where I feel like I failed my kid. Yeah. And he's like, and Jesus was saying, <laughs> he was saying, like, um, you haven't failed, but all of these opportunities are chances for you to grow. And what you what you should understand is that even in what you feel like is a failure, when you turn to me, he says, because he's like, but when you turn to God, yeah, yeah right. when you turn to God, your child will see you um, acting out your faith and you should be okay with that that in your brokenness you turn to God because that's what the child is going to learn is that you they'll know one day that you aren't perfect you know I had that moment where I realized that my parents weren't perfect um but you know so he's just encouraging her like don't think of it as a failure think of it as an opportunity to give your children a chance to see where you go for strength when when you yeah do you feel that's huge yeah. yeah well yeah and I think the kind of the age old an age old doesn't mean like oh this is an extinct idea or something is the idea of nature versus nurture it's like well we have genetic dispositions towards these behaviors towards these things although my defense in scripture for generational curses would probably be well for against generational curses would probably be Ezekiel eighteen which is the passage about like the soul that sins shall die. Right. It's like, it's, 
yeah. Yes, but what you're saying is much more is part of my thought process too, which is that um, how I watch my parents deal with anxiety and depression, how I watch them take their conflict and go to God or take their conflict and go to alcohol or take their conflict and, and um, I mean, maybe go to church too much. I don't know. I mean, we, there's just tons of ways that we can kind of run away from our selves and our problems. And so depression tends to sort of feed off of what you're not doing and kind of how good enough you're not. And, you know, therefore that equates to, to feeling kind of suffocated by these expectations and these failures. And I do think that a lot of that as a man is different because there is a lot of pressure on us to provide and to be strong. And obviously women struggle with depression too. It just like looks different for them. So I think if we're men and we lacked that affirmation from our own fathers, you know, we have to deal with that. And I realize that we're talking about this. I'm kind of, I was kind of talking past tense, like, Oh, how did I feel when I was younger? And it's like, is it healthy or is it even healthy as a 30 year older than me? Well, sorry. Is it, <laughs> if it, if I'm you, yeah, I just, it's a healthy dialogue in the sense of going backwards to kind of face these things. But now it's like, Oh dude, I'm making all my decisions on my own. So why does it matter exactly? If I felt like my dad was like there for me or not, like, like, well, how, what does that matter? But I do think people can spend a lot of time in, in their adult years, just being like, oh, I thought I already kind of dealt with that stuff and, and I didn't. And so I do think if you are struggling with these things with mental health and depression, there can be this sort of nine sort of voice in your head. That's like, um, yeah, you're not good enough or you are failing or you are a failure. And you know what? Maybe that you need to just, maybe that's okay. That you that you hear those voices doesn't mean you believe it. I'm just saying. Yeah, okay. <sighs> I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, I mean, it doesn't make you um, right. It doesn't make you a bad person because you, even I think a lot of people are filled with self doubt. I think even some of the most successful people are filled with negative thoughts. Right. And uh, it's difficult to get past them. You know. The whole, the whole, you know, there wouldn't be a, a self-help industry or coaching right. and mentors and all those things if people just naturally were like, hey, I can do whatever I want. And yeah. some, some oh, people don't... say that, but do they believe it? And then, you know, even coach... Or people tell you to say it until you believe it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're not alone. Uh, and getting out of those thoughts is a really difficult place. And even when you get out, they creep back in. Um, so you just got to keep pressing on. Yeah. 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 And I do think kind of the theological influence here is like, it is true that, um, God really is heavenly father. And I think, I think we can meditate on that. And I think we can kind of ask for understanding on like, what does that really mean? Like, we're not primarily like we're not slaves, right? I mean, there's lots of language of Jesus is Lord and we bow down. That's not the slave language, but you know, recognizing Jesus is Lord. That's like not the same thing as necessarily seeing it. Like we are children of God and there's a lot of like liberation and, and freedom. But I, I think some of it is, I think one of the, the, the faith influences is like, God kind of has to love you if he's sort of a God of love, right? He, he So we kind of, maybe we, but we, it's easier for us to believe, oh, well, God loves me. That makes sense. But does God like you? Does God like enjoy you? And does he kind of like want you around? And the answer is yes. <laughs> but often maybe our earthly dads, it's like, oh, I know my dad loves me, but he's not very good at showing me, right? He's not very good at being like, hey, I kind of like your personality and I, I kind of 
because I know with my own dad, there was just always like a limitation in, I think, intimacy and like he couldn't fully like go there and, and be there with me. And so I don't know, this stuff's just been kind of on my mind. Yeah, I think God, I, I agree a lot with what um, Ord says about the kino- kenosis. Kino- oh, Philippians yeah. 2? Hmm? No, um, maybe. But it's that... The, the Greek, the theory of the emptied himself out? What? Yes. Um, yeah. But it's... it's uh, I'd have to look at the Greek. So let's just not think about the word kenosis as much as... Um, Got it. I'll, I'll have to look more into it. Yeah. Because uh, I know he uses the word, I just don't know how he... I forget how he applies it. But the concept is that, like, God's power comes from the centrality of him uh, being love. Hmm. So God isn't omnipotent because he creates the world. God's power is that he loves, and that creates the world. Hmm. And he creates it through love. He sustains you through love. He um, suffers with you through love. And um, and that whole concept of God suffering with us is like a really, a really interesting topic. You should read that book that I have. You would really like it. One, one, of, one or the other of them is uh, it's the uncontrolling love of God and God can't. Yeah. Which are two really good books. Yeah, right? or, yeah I mean, it's... Because it, it really kind of, it gets in our minds that God could hate us if we just didn't do something, if we just don't do the things right. Um, but God can't really hate us if his, the centrality of who God is is, is love. And um, that can get into some really weirder issues when you kind of generalize and broadly apply love to everything. Right. right. But um I don't have a problem with it. And uh I think it's important for us to realize that like it, like uh, Gregory Boyd talks about the dyna- the dynamic pictures in the Bible of God even being angry as something different than what we should take at face value of an angry God. Right. That um his his point of view is that when we look at the image of Jesus on a cross with being this horribly beaten to death man that's not god right, right. like that's that's well, it doesn't seem like that's god no it's not right. it yeah. just isn't that's not god isn't a dead man. Right. Right? That's what God emptied himself into to right. become so we could see that he loves us. Yeah. Like, so that we could see right. the characteristic and aspect and the power of God. He died and became that image for us. He never had to. Right. So, um, God, and so in that way, um, Boyd kind of looks at like his relationship like God's relationship with Israel as being part and parcel and maybe also you know you could you could also get into some of the more academic nature of uh, inspired writers writing through their ignorance of what they saw and not understanding yeah but you could also say that God is seeing Israel and saying they need this disciplinary disciplinary action so that I can bring them into the formation of a nation that will bless everyone and to do that I have to show myself powerful in this way until the day where he uh, suffers and Hmm. yeah so so God is always loving us um, even if even if uh, our you know our minds can't fully comprehend or appreciate it sometimes. Hmm. 
I just started reading his God of the Possible book again. That That's a good book. Told you on the deck where I was going to read so we could get all open theistic um that's that will be a, a podcast for another day but we'll talk about it yeah well thank you for that will and thank you for sharing that i um yeah that's kind of all i got is just just this notion of like let's just challenge ourselves to look at god rightly and part of mental health is just oh i think finding a balance and there's you know training for a marathon running and embracing two hours of silence while I run and persevering through a bunch of cramps from eating too much ice cream, I think comes from, are you writing smiley faces on your shoe? Just for you, man. Right on. That's going to make you run faster. That's what they say. Think about the thoughts that you're thinking. That's a good title for a book. When you actually embrace some silence, you really do think about what you're thinking, and you, you, you. I am realizing there's a percentage of my mind that still is, you know. There's definitely some negative thoughts, right? There's definitely some like, wow, I don't really feel good enough, and I'm like, this is this is a large conversation, but I know I've come a long way because if I didn't believe in myself, I wouldn't have this podcast. That's right. You know what I mean? I wouldn't go to the store and buy cigars and smoke them. Oh, I shouldn't tell everybody. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. You don't buy cigars. You buy Swisher Sweets. Cool. Why did you tell everybody my strategy? <laughs> um, But yeah, life is good, man. I think... I do think a very practical thing is like, look, some of the stuff requires reconciliation. Like some of it does require that like my own earthly dad, you know, kind of struggling with his health. It's like life is fragile and I hope he lives a long time, but there's always a possibility that maybe he won't. And don't Do you mind hold, if I ask you a question? Go for it. Don't what, hold grudges. What, um, with, with your relationship with your dad? Yeah. Um, Because uh, when when I was helping you with the car, yeah, it seemed like there's still some distance there. Sure. Um, how how would you approach in, like engaging him to either bring him out or to bring yourself in or to restore or help? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. How would you? view that like what could that be like part of the relationship is an effort to is it already I don't know I'm, yeah no yeah. it's a no that's a total fair question I mean we have made a lot of progress in times past of reconciling and kind of working on this the, the these stuff uh, in the past um, meaning like 10 years ago when my parents went through this whole thing and a lot of forgiveness a lot of letting go a lot of healing a lot of that has already happened but I, but it, it does feel somewhat like um, yeah honestly I don't know exactly the answer I think I think there is some kind of thing that like I do relate to this in my own struggle of when I was in like a really really bad episode it's like you're holding on to something so deep and uh, kind of so intense that you it's like hard to, for people to tell like what is really like going on in, inside of you like why are you really why do you really seem so apathetic and so sad and like I don't know I don't really know how to help you and so I do <sighs> To try to answer the question, I don't know. I do have, it's just more of like the uh, feeling that I have of like, wow, there's like something that you're kind of not talking about here that's causing you to just seem so distant and sad. So I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the only answer I have for myself is to um, try to show up as much as possible, you know, and like, be there try to be there for my dad and try to understand instead of what I think is easier to do but then is no solution which is like 
one of the eight ways to say no to drugs, you know, the cold shoulder, like just to not show up at all. So, so I think what happens is you should probably just go put on a Dodger game and drink a beer with the guy. Well, yeah, my I'm just dad, kidding. I'm oversimplifying yeah. it. <laughs> no, 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 it's all. You good. don't even yeah, drink beer I mean, that often. I mean, well, I, I, what I'm trying to articulate is that, yeah, I don't know exactly other than to to not give up, to to show up and be there, and to try to be a good good friend and you know be present but part of it is that you when you see people struggling you're like ah that's what's so hard about it is you can't you can't like pull them out of their their funk right you 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 just got to kind of keep showing up and so just the fact that we went down there a couple weeks ago and we saw him and we hung out like i think that that is definitely some impact and some progress so um but I need Jesus in the process. I need grace to do all that. And is your dad a Christian? Yeah, he is. Oh yeah, he is. He loves the Lord. And I mean, I hope he still is. Right. I mean, like uh, who knows, but <laughs> I'm not going to go into, um, the well, great, I mean, the, it seems that he's, uh, you know, you got to let him profess his own faith when he wants. Right. And if he says he is, then let, allow him to be that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We can't, nobody's change. perfect. Right. Well, I mean, I'm kind of close. But, okay. Uh, I, you know. Abby. Abby. This is, this is going I'm too I'm just far. kidding. No, I'm so, just kidding. um, but anyway, uh, we already know what the outro to this show is, but yeah, thank you guys for listening and I'll keep you updated on my, the breaking in of my new running shoes. It's going to be bad ass what happens next, which is that I run a full marathon. So. Yeah, well, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please subscribe. We're on iTunes now. Um, please follow me on Facebook, the Louder Now Facebook page. Um, I want to mention that the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. If you are having uh, any overwhelming feelings of suicide or depression and you just need anybody to talk to, that's a 24-hour um, hotline that you can get a hold of or go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org but thank you for listening to the louder now podcast <laughs>